Hi, this is Tom Newmaster, and you're listening to Awaken Nation with Brad Zollis. A huge shift is taking place on planet Earth. People seem to be waking up. Tired of the way things used to be, they are creating something brand new and changing the world we live in. My name is Brad Zollis, and I get to sit down with the next generation of idea makers, the disruptors, and the game changers. Everyday people, just like you and me, from all over, who are doing amazing things. Welcome to Awakened Nation. Tom, what's up, man? How's it going? Good. How are you doing, Brad? I've been dying to get you on the show, man, because you're, as a graphic designer, package designer, owner of the company, um, you and your wife, you also grew up, we all grew up in the same town. Uh, we knew each other in passing, although we were a couple of years apart, uh, graduated from the same high school. Uh, and I just wanted to really sit down and have our listeners have a conversation, feel like they're in on a conversation with you. Uh, and I'm excited. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I just want to clarify that you're older than I am. So just, let's just get that out there. You got it. Thank you. <laughs> you can grow a real beard though. <laughs> this is a Scooby-Doo, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo thing. I got here, so. uh, but let me introduce you uh, to our audience here. Tom Newmaster is the founder and the creative director behind Force Packaging. And uh, you guys do packaging very high level stuff uh, for pharmaceutical companies as well as uh, uh, off the counter products and you know, potato chips are one of my favorites that you do as well. Um, but what's more important is um, you do a lot of the over the counter and snacks and things like that, but you also help the next generation uh, of package designers and designers and young people who really uh, love being creative. So I, I'm just jazzed to have you on the show. And I want you to start talking and telling our listeners about you were with another package design firm for many, many years. And you just got this strong nudge to say, you know what, I need to go off on my own. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking, looking back, you know, I, I probably should have started over about five years ago. But, you know, it, it, it's kind of hard when you really love the work you're actually doing. Um, and you kind of make that decision to kind of move on. Um, you know, I guess, you know, I, I, I've said this before, um, you know, I, it, it may have been me, you know, it was just time to kind of move on. There were things I wanted to do, things I wanted to do in a different way. And I just didn't feel I was going to have those same opportunities where I was, even though it was my own company, you know, I did have other partners. So, you know, they had a say in how things were, were going. So I, I just thought it was time to, you know, move on. Yeah. And now, were you scared? I know you and, and uh, Melissa, you know, you sat down and you said, okay, we're a couple, we're going to plan this. But um, what was it? Were you scared? Was there a huge risk or was it strategic? Well, you know, I, I, I really didn't know what I was going to do at, at first. Like once, once I went through the whole process of, you know, I thought maybe I could buy out my, my partners, right, and reshape the existing company. Um, once I realized they didn't want to actually do that, which, which is, which is fine. You know, they had the uh, choice to turn that offer down. I said, well, then I would like to be, you know, bought out. So that's the process um, we, we went through, or that's how that, that process started. And then uh, I really didn't know what I was going to do. 
you know, I've, <laughs> I, I, I actually jokingly say, you know, I had, I had a non-compete and a non-solicitation in my shareholders agreement, which a lot of people do. Um, and I thought, you know, for those two, three years, you know, I'm just going to kick back, take it easy. I'm, I'm going to write that book and you know what that's about. Um, I was, I was going to get stuff done around the house and, uh, you know, a couple longtime friends in, in, in the business, you know, looked me straight in the eye and said, you are going to be busier than you've ever been. And, and I thought they were crazy. Um, but they were all right. I mean, they were exactly right. Um, you know, initially I was gonna, you know, I was, I was interviewing for positions, running a couple agencies in, in New York, small agencies about the same size that, um, my firm was here in Pennsylvania. Um, and got pretty close on a couple of those jobs down to like final interviews. And, uh, you know, basically if the guy would have taken the job in front of me, this whole thing may have gone on a different, different path. Um, and then I decided, you know, talking to some other friends in the business, um, maybe just start over, do things a, a different way. All, all the things we wish we could have done, let's just do those and see if it works. And, you know, every, every day we kind of look at each other and sometimes we're like, you know, we're still in the middle of this grand experiment. Um, it's been going, going well, but it still feels like it's new. And, you know, we look around and go, is it going to work? I mean, even though it is. Um, right. But it still feels that way. If people don't realize, you know, when you're spending other people's money, you're working at a, a company for someone, that those are easy, those decisions. But when you're actually the chief cook and bottle washer and you're taking out the garbage, everything's on your shoulders. You have to sign that paycheck at the end of the week. Uh, it's a whole different ball uh, game happening yeah. there because you really have to, to, to figure it out. What made you leave the other company? You know, because I know some people right now are probably listening and going, oh, okay, well, what would make you leave? What would make me leave? Uh, and, and it's kind of like, for me, I know what bugs me is when a business partner won't listen to my input or won't change. Well, I, it, you know, it, it, was, it was probably that. Um, but, it, but it was more, you know, I, I felt like I was doing or involved in the best work of my career. Right. I liked all the clients I was working with. For the most part, I enjoyed the people I was working with directly, but I didn't like going into my office. Right. And when, and when you own the building and you're a principal shareholder in the company and you don't like going into your office, something, something isn't right, you know? Right. And like I said, it, it was probably me. Maybe it was, maybe it was less other people had to change and more it was time for me to change, you know? Um, wow. So I don't have any regrets, really. You know, I mean, I wish I wouldn't have to rebuild the machine again. You know, it would have been easier to buy out my other partners, take out, take on that that debt, and probably reshape the existing company. But you know, who knows? Maybe it was easier to start over. You know, right? I think it was. I, you know, when I when I came into Reading last year and we got to drive around and I got to see your new digs in Lancaster, um, I was really impressed. You had some hyper growth over the last two, three years. Uh, am I correct on that? Yeah, we pretty much, you know, my, um, my uh, non-compete was up back in February. So that was pretty much the, uh, a turning point for kind of touching base and having some previous clients reach out to me and that we could actually do work, work together. But we, we pretty much went from the dining room table to, you know, 
a newly renovated studio in an office building in Lancaster in basically less than less than two years. You know, I I, I dining room table renovated the studio in in, in the uh, basement of of the house that lasted about eight months, um, <laughs> and then we needed more more space. I mean, we kind of were always mobile, you know, and working in different spots. We we didn't like to just you know sit in the studio and work. Um, now we kind of sit in the studio and work, but it's because we kind of like where it is. Um, but like, like today, you know, one of the designers right. is working, is working remotely from home. Um, and we have, you know, a freelancer or two working on some, some projects too. So not everyone's here today, but you know, we, we kind of keep it loose, loose like that. I, then hopefully it'll keep people, people fresh and less burnout, you know, having that freedom. Yeah. Well, the thing I love is you're really about corporate culture and I noticed Tell us about you were doing the competition for which is the best coffee at Forest Packaging. Oh yeah, there when we, when we first started out, and I think we were doing that stuff more because we had extra time. But uh, you know, we were we were we, we were brewing like different coffee every, every day, some local stuff, some mainstream stuff, and I would just you know blind blindly brew it for everybody because you know when when you start over, you're 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 CEO, but you're also chief coffee maker too. Um, <laughs> And we would just, you know, rate that coffee. Um, and then we would post stuff and, you know, talk about it. It was just a way to create some buzz on social media. Um, and then it turned into we're actually printing labels for a local coffee roaster and doing some little design stuff for them. Um, but, yeah, so it kind of turned into something too, you know. It's a lot of fun. Now, the thing is, is that tell everybody of the design field is right in front of our faces but a lot of times they're not really aware that that is a part of the design world. You're talking specifically about packaging. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, when, when you, when you look around, you know, it, it, it sounds a, a little cliche now, but you know, you just walk in a, walk in a grocery store, you know, I mean, you know, this, every little thing you see has to be designed by, by somebody. I mean, there's, a lot of things to get done out there and you know and there's a lot of people that that say that you know packaging doesn't influence our purchase decision or oh that stuff doesn't affect whether i buy it or not and i always say perfect because you're exactly why i still have a job <laughs> it is true people don't realize uh there's a there was a great classic study on packaging years ago there was this uh hardware company and they had a product they were going to discontinue and it was a motherboard, and they were selling this motherboard for $98. So they were just gonna discontinue it, and they said, well, before we discontinue it, let's go to a think tank that does packaging and relaunching and all that. After a couple of months of analyzing this product, they said, look, let's raise the price of this motherboard to $1,200, and let's wrap it in a black and gold uh, shrink-wrapped type of really cool packaging and box boxes. Well, this defunct product that they were about to get rid of, they couldn't keep them on the shelf after they repackaged them and raised the price. If you want to say that, uh, you know, package design doesn't influence you, that's nonsense. And this is why I believe there's some statistic out there that they said every time a company repackages or changes the design of a product, sales increase by something like 20%. So that's why you're constantly seeing these companies redesign their packaging, their their look, their feel, their their logos sometimes uh, because it just it, it 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 flies off the shelf. Well, a, a, a personal friend of mine, um, Rob Wallace, who used to be at Wallace Church, he did a lot of research and and studied the ROI of packaging and, and branding. And um, 
he would probably argue that the ROI is more like 400% of, yeah. of every dollar. Um, now you probably can't say that about every, everything, but he says it's, it's tens of times, um, you know, ROI on packaging as compared to actually advertising. So it's, it's really interesting. Wow. And, 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 and many times with, with a lot of companies, packaging is that last thing they, they think about last thing they talk about. And, um, you know, there's a lot of startup and challenger brands out there right now that the only thing they have is packaging. So it's the most important thing. And just look at the, the ROI, you know, if, if you have limited money and you want to put it into something, it's probably packaging. What's your favorite product to design packaging for? Well, I mean, the company's named Force, so if I could design anything Star Wars, I would probably do it for free. <laughs> um, and that, and that, that's that thing, you know, what would you do more for the, for the, for the love of it versus, versus the money? And that would, that would probably be it. Now, I don't want Disney to call me and ask me to redo everything because that would probably be a little bit too much, but a little something would be nice. That would be. I would love to see you design something. Hey, how about designing new lightsabers or a package for the new lightsabers? I know, I'm right? Board, I'm on board, man. The yeah. Geek at us. Oh, it would, it, would, it, would, it would be terrible. I mean, you'd be like, I think I'm going to need some samples to try the product. It would, it would be ridiculous. Oh, this is historical. And I'm going to let our listeners know about this, but you were in Las Vegas for the SEMA show, which is all detailing and car detailing. It's one of the largest shows in the world. And uh, Tom goes, let's meet for beer, man. So, you know, here's two Lebanonians coming into town. <laughs> yeah, we're sitting there and we ordered two beers. It, I think we, it wound up being four beers later. Like, you know, man, I respect you so much. Man. <laughs> you know, it was like, we got into that conversation, that zone. That exactly. By the way, let's do a side note real quick here. The new Star Wars saga <laughs> is finalizing. It's coming down, and the only complaint I hear is they better not be on another planet that is red, has red dust on it, and it better not be another Death Star. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, I don't know. I, it sounds like you were talking to some people that were uh, Last Jedi haters, but that's, that's okay, I guess. Um, I don't know. I just, to me, you know, people say, oh, we want stuff new, and right, and then there's this whole other group that – you know, don't, don't change anything. And me, I'm just like, just keep giving me more. I don't, you oh, know, yeah. I, I love each one of them for a different reason. Maybe, maybe I'm a little sentimental. Logo. Maybe I'm a little sentimental about it, right? I don't know. Well, I was just at a, a wedding for two friends of mine, uh, Kirk Holmes and Rebecca Holmes now. Uh, and he's into Star Trek. She's into Star Wars. And everybody's like, how is this marriage going to work? <laughs> I know. That's like impossible merger, right? <laughs> I said so. He probably has learned to shut it down with certain things. Like you're right, honey. Lightsabers are superior to, <laughs> to, to phaser cannon. Right. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, it, it's the total geek in us. And uh, last night I went to uh, the Millennium Fandom Bar here in Las Vegas, and they had a big Game of Thrones uh, launch party for the season, uh, beginning of season eight. Uh, so it was packed, and news crews came down. So. I think we get our geek on uh, in this day and age. And, uh, you know, for our generation that had to hide that we were into uh, any kind of science fiction, and then Star Wars made it uh, socially acceptable to be a complete geek. Right, yeah. Uh, well, at least at some point it did, right? Um, yeah. Now I think it's – I don't know if it's acceptable or if we just don't care anymore, right? I don't think we care. Well, <laughs> Star, 
I had to hide that I was a Star Trek fan. And then when Star Wars came out, I went, oh, man, this is incredible. And um, in college, uh, you know, I went to art and design school in Pittsburgh, and, and I'm sitting there, and I, we're just drawing constantly Star Wars uh, concept ideas for ships and cars, and you name it, hovercrafts and characters. And it, it was just exciting. It really opened up the doors uh, for new thinking and new ways of doing things. Well, and, and I, I think the way they did those movies too, you know, there was, there was so much um, thought put into all the initial concept art. I mean, a lot of the concept art is really beautiful stuff. And, and I don't think before that we really ever saw that part of the movie making process. You know, I look back as a designer and a guy that was drawing and illustrating stuff, just seeing that concept art and how it evolved into what was actually in the movie was kind of an inspiring thing. And I don't, I don't recall ever seeing no. those those parts of the movie making process before, and I don't I don't know if that was intentional or if it was just part of what came out because it was such a, such a big thing. But you know, I, I I look back and I'm like, you know, I was I was always drawing that stuff, and you know, and it was and it was kind of made it it kind of made it okay to like maybe it wasn't perfect the first time, then you could draw right. it again and make it better, you know, and. Right. Was it the original uh, illustrator for uh, Star Wars? I think it was Mark McCorin or Corin, and he did such elaborate paintings uh, that uh, they use those now when they do like Star Wars documentaries, as to show they would actually match dissolve from the the, the desert scenes on Tatooine to his illustrations and how close that was. Yeah, he did. Really? He did. He did a lot of movie poster artwork. I think he did all of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, the um, Indiana Jones series, right. and he just did an amazing job just capturing, you know, prob probably even beyond what was actually in the movie. There was just an excitement and a and a and a drama and, and how he painted things that, right? You no, know, it was just super but, cool. Well, they show like there's uh, moments where they're showing Darth Vader in the stages and he was more sleek and he was down low and he could yeah. move around and he just had this helmet on and you see this long lightsaber and you're like wow that that's intense now later on you could see that influence in some of the other characters that we see today like Kylo Ren and things like that but back then he was really seeing uh, a much bigger vision of Star Wars and I think what it opened the gates for and we can talk about this a little bit but I think the designer in all of us, everybody wanted to be more creative back in the day, but they didn't really get the chance to do that. And I feel like Star Wars opened that doorway uh, to make it safe, make it okay to just design something crazy. And you start to see like these sketches and the illustrations for these movies coming out before the movie comes out. People are getting, fans are getting excited. I remember when Blade Runner, showed the concept drawings. I was on the edge of my seat. I couldn't yeah, I know. It was just awesome. Yeah. And so I think it opened a doorway for all of us uh, to enter into the design field. Well, and I, and I think, too, I mean, up, up, up until Star Wars, you know, you think all the science fiction stuff that we were exposed to was all this, you know, perfect, clean future where everything was bright. And, you know, one of the subtle things in Star Wars is, no, Every everything not. is used. Everything is used. Like as soon as you, as soon as you saw that first ship or that first scene, you know it was. You could tell there was there was some history around everything. You know that it wasn't just this this perfect newly built whatever. Um, 
it had it, it had some use to it. And I think that's just like the uh, subtle subtle difference that made it so interesting just to to so many people. Well, I think as a brand, Star Trek and Star Wars stand so so strongly because they took science fiction seriously. I mean, yeah, people may not remember this, but before Star Trek, you could actually, when you watched a TV show or a movie, every if you look subtly, you could see the wire holding the spaceship up and is dangling through space. And uh, when Star Trek came along, uh, they were they they put the angles right and they did the green screen right. And they did all that stuff. And then Star Wars, they actually invented cameras uh, to actually film yep. these, these bigger-than-life shots. Pan, I think it was, um, I forget, Pentax and a couple of other lens makers were working with uh, George Lucas at the time in the studios to actually create brand-new equipment to bring this dream to life. Yeah, I think he was saying, I want to I shoot this. And then he would go to those tech people and say, all right, I need the equipment to do this, and they would they would they would create it. I mean, and and that's the same thing happened with with Pixar with 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 animation too. You know, they were like, we want to we want to do this, and they had to create the software to do it. Yes, oh, it's exciting, and that's uh, you know, you and I are are obviously passionate about this. We could, go, we could do a whole episode about just Star Wars. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Uh, so we geeked, geeked them right here. But uh, on Facebook, you and I, every time something new comes out, it's like, oh yeah. And, and our big bet that Tom and I had was, how badly will Disney screw this up? What product will they come out with where you're just going to shake your head and go, who thought that one up? So I haven't <laughs> done too, too bad, but I think I sent you pictures of like the, the, the ones that make you frown. What were they? There were a couple of them. Yeah, there, were, there was a couple. Um, yeah, but you know, for, the, for, the, for the most part, I, I think Disney might have cleaned it up a little bit because I think I think from a licensing standpoint, you know, and, and I've done a lot of licensing work in the, in the past. I'm not, not for Disney or, or Star Wars necessarily, but there was a lot of crappy products, you know, but, but I think Disney kind of cleaned that up a little bit. Somebody could argue that point, I guess, but I think it's better, not, not worse. Yeah. I think the worst thing I saw, but it's kind of actually kind of funny, is uh, Christmas tree lights that are nothing but Yodas. <laughs> those, are, those are kind of funny. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, that's... That's super cool. What do you mean? <laughs> I, I, at first, I thought it was dirty. That was like, and then there's a couple of cereals that came out there. So I'm like, well, I don't know about that. But it's yeah, like, right. I think I think they're hitting their stride. But uh, you know, as a, as a package designer, no matter where you look, uh, you can see the influence that this has. And real quick, I want any of our listeners who are interested in your work, where should they go to uh, connect with you? Well, you can go to forcepkg.com. Or you can you know find us on Facebook, Instagram, um, you know LinkedIn, all all the all the typical social media spots. Goody goody. Now uh, this is a brand I want to talk to you about, and I want everybody to know about. And I just find it the best brand you've ever created uh, because it really came out of just farting around one day on a sunny summer afternoon and that's table boat you want to tell our <laughs> listeners about table boat i knew you'd end up on table boat at some I point in time to, i have to talk about table boat. and i and i and i think the reason you keep bringing it up is because you want to actually be on table boat and you haven't yeah, had that right. chance yet <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i mean table boat you know it's uh me and my friend jamie we just i mean it it's kind of crazy um Started after a um, hurricane went went through the Outer Banks. Um, people had junk piled up outside. This is going to sound crazy. Um, 
So we started grabbing stuff. Like, and again, we don't have to do this, but we were on vacation. We were just kind of bored. We were hanging out. So we coined a new phrase, phrase called scalvaging. And we were like taking parts and we were making like a beer shoot to launch beers and in, into in the pool. And it sounds like <laughs> college dorm stuff. And then I don't even know how it actually ended up happening, but then we ended up getting a picnic table and putting inner tubes on it and saying, you know, we could, we could float this around and wouldn't it be fun. And, and then we kind of made, made some rules that nothing can be new because, you know, we're, we're kind of at, at the point, you know, we could, we could build something awesome. You know, we could just throw money at the problem, but no, nothing, nothing can be new. It either has to be bought on Craigslist. uh, Somebody has to donate it or we have to already have it. Um, And he had an an old umbrella from their old picnic table that they, you know, one of those things you just don't throw away. It's in in the garage, got a picnic table off Craigslist, got some used truck inner tubes, and then just started floating table boat. We started posting on Facebook. Hashtag table boat. Hashtag table boat. Then we add, then we, you know, we tow a cooler behind us and then we have a, a, a grill on board. We have an electric trolling motor. Then we have a gas powered blender so we can make frozen margaritas. And it, it turned into this thing. Like, like people ask us where we, where we rented it, where they can get one. And we're like, no, it's, it's just ours. Um, people come up, come up to us, tie off with their jet skis. Right, so that they're renting. Hysterical. They're renting jet skis, playing, paying by the hour, and they tie up the table boat, and we make them a frozen margarita, and they go about their you know, their business the rest of the day. We go floating around to the to, to the campgrounds. We're making people you know hot dogs and spam sandwiches, and people come out and want to take selfies with us. It's just crazy. Is, it is crazy. And, and for those of you who don't know, you'll see these pictures of Tom and a couple of people just sitting on this floating picnic table with an umbrella on it in the middle of a lake with a grill hooked up to it and a blender and it's just the most hysterical thing but it's also the most logical it's like hey why didn't somebody think of that before i know i know and we we often thought we should just retire and just start you know making table boats and renting them out down at down the outer banks but yeah it's just you know and then and then we started just like posting videos and we almost handle like a little cooking show sometimes it's just it's just it's just crazy well, here's the crazy part about uh, table boat. It's it's what I call a happy accident, and it took off on social media, where people were just like hashtagging table boat and uh, following you guys, and then and then now you have a, a what do you call it? A trailer with the table boat on it. And you put <laughs> yeah, everything we, in. we actually bought a bought a trailer to put everything in when, when we go on vacation, and 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 last year I think it was was the first year. Um, since I have a printer that can print vinyl graphics, we just basically wrap the trailer in, in table boat graphics. And of course we talk about table boat, like it's the original world famous table boat, which is kind of a joke anyway. Right. Um, yeah. And you know, on the back of the trailer, it says honk, if you love table boat, you know, and every now and then you hear people beep in their horn. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And people don't even know. Um, and, and, and now it's kind of, you know, we, we do like this new year's Eve thing every year and not, not this year, but the, the year before when we did our first video on New Year's Eve, it had over 4,000 views on Facebook. I don't know who these people are. Like, you know, you only have like 100 or 200 followers. Next thing you know, you have 4,000 people watching your video. And then it's, it, it's like, that's almost viral. 4,000 people watching a video of you guys on table drinking a beer and talking. I know. And, it, and it's, just, it's just the idea is you're going to sit by the pool and drink a beer. 
when you go to the Outer Banks, well, why not, you know, sit out in the water and drink that beer? I, I don't know. So what about the table book? Now, I want to see you guys do an actual podcast from Table Boat. That would be funny. <laughs> you could get waterproof, have guests swim up, you know, celebrity guests with Christopher Walken or something. We, we, we actually have some uh, friends, actually friends of, of, of Jamie's that have, that have offered um, to let us stay at their cabin on a lake in New York State somewhere as long as we take Table Boat and we let them go on Table Boat. So we're like, we could, we could parlay this into like, vacations if we if we did it right yeah sponsorship the works man i want to i want to just no 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 we just we just have a facebook page i was i was trying to figure out a way that we could put it together really fast and it would be great to just drop it in the fountains of bellagio and just you know just 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 get hauled off right (laughs) (laughs) get arrested for doing something crazy (laughs) table boat man table boat lives yeah that is awesome well, a lot. the great part, I think the lesson that you teach me every day and your wife teaches me is um, have fun in life. You know, business, fun, living, everything. It can, it can all blend together incredibly nicely if you do it right. Uh, and I see that in the corporate culture that you have at work. Uh, you guys used to take off on a Friday and go uh, somewhere and um, – set up your laptops at a, at a bar sometimes or you just go someplace and do something fun. Yeah, we would, we would, we could be in a coffee shop in the morning and we find a local craft brewery in the, in, in the afternoon and, you know, work there. And a lot of places, you know, in the afternoons aren't that busy and they kind of welcome you, you know, there's, there've been a couple places that we've gone back to just, just for uh, dinner and they'll be like, Hey, haven't seen you guys in a while. I'm like, well, we kind of have a space now. We're not, you know, a wandering right. band of gypsies anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it was just cool. And we just kind of kept it loose. Now we haven't done it as much recently, but I, I always push like, Hey, we, we, we should keep that going because everyone really, really seemed to like it. So we just kind of keep it loose. If somebody wants to go to a coffee shop and work this afternoon, you know, go ahead. You know, the whole, the whole system's set up to be mobile. So if well, someone how- has something, up an issue and they have to stay home. Maybe it's you know an issue with their furnace and they got to stay home. They don't have to prepare to work from home. They can just right. work from home. There's no there's no setup to make that happen. Well, I always find this interesting, Tom, because in corporations right now they're all incredibly curious about how to make remote working possible. And in the design field, we've been doing it for years. The way right. we work, where it's collaborative and everybody has an input and what ideas work and then move as fast as you can to hit those deadlines. Those are standard practices in design and advertising and, and all these, these arenas of the creative field. Um, but I want to ask you a question that I think some of our, our corporate people might be interested in, and that is this. Um, how important is corporate culture to you? Well, I think it's really important, and I think our corporate culture I would like to think is it's completely based on trust and, and honesty. You know, I, I just read an article recently where they, where they talked about, you know, people have issues with trusting people to work, work from home. And they said, if you don't trust them to work from home, why did you hire them in the first place? You know? So right. I just, I just try to keep it that, you know, people can, you know, do what they need to do in their, in their, you know, non work life. Um, and then be able to, you know, get done what we need, we need to get done. And, you know, myself and now 
you know, uh, the, the new business partner, Brian, you know, we're like, we worked in cubicles for, you know, 25, 30 years. There's no more cubicles. And I know, you know, open office spaces get bashed a lot. Um, but I think as people try and force that open office concept on businesses or types of work where it just doesn't work. Um, yeah. You know, and when we were designing this space with the architect that we, that we worked with to design our current studio, I mean, and, and I think it was yeah, um, in one of our first, first meetings, we, we just said, hey, you're not designing an office. You're designing a coffee shop. Just, right. just think, think that way, and then we'll make it work from a, from a, from a business standpoint. That's interesting because when you showed me the space when it was raw and they were still using nail guns, <laughs> it was winter out. I'm standing there going, now this is open concept and only certain types of businesses can handle that. A graphic designer working in a laptop with their own headset can easily sit in the middle of chaos and get the work done. Um, accountants can't do that. And so we're not, we're not sitting here saying, this is the best work environment ever. It's the best work environment you have because you're working with commandos who come in, get the job done, and get it out. Yeah, and you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, the open office concept or the idea of working mobile may not be a perfect fit for every designer either. I mean, I, I think for the most part, it, it fits that type of person better. But, you know, when we were first, you know, working with freelancers to try and figure out who was going to be this design team that we that we build this business around, you know, we 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 purposely, you know, asked them to, you know, if, if they had a current job to take a day off, come work, work with us. And we made it as messy as we could. I mean, we made it like crazy. We went to places that were busy and, and, and loud and then you know, basically ask them, you know, can you work this way? You know, considering this to be, you know, worst, worst case scenario. Right. Um, just, just so that, just so that we know we can work with them and so that they can work, work with us too, because, you know, we might have to go somewhere and work in a, work in a coffee shop near a, near a client because we had to get something done, you know, and, right. and that isn't, that isn't for, for ev everyone. It really isn't. No, it's not. But I think you, you do it well. You understand the culture. You understand how each individual works and like to work. Um, yeah. And I think it's, I'm not saying it's the wave of the future. I'm saying that's probably the way it's been for certain businesses that were smart enough to understand that the employees, uh, make employees happy. And guess what? The business will take off. It's just like right. in a marriage. Make the wife happy and you're going to be happy. Right, and right. It's, it's the same in the corporate culture. And I, you can't dictate the corporate culture from the top down. Uh, you have to, you can, you can guide it, you can influence it a little bit, but I think corporate culture is, uh, it happens on its own naturally. Um, you set the tone, obviously, because you're fun. You know that your employees, when they're worked and they're pushed to the limit, need something to diffuse them. Uh, you know, so having these benefits of going off site or, uh, you know, what coffee are we going to drink today? You know, Little things like that really right. make it fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, and it, and it isn't right for me every day either. There's sometimes, you know, certain tasks I have to do. If I'm putting together a proposal or a large quote for, for a project or, you know, could just be solving a structural issue or, or a problem like that. I mean, sometimes the open concept isn't the best for me either. So I either work from home that day or I go in the conference room and separate myself. So you just, you know, it's it's not the perfect answer. It's just knowing when you need 
to change it to make it to make it right. I mean, I I find that sometimes you know I'll I'll end up building uh, mockups and 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 prototypes, and sometimes you would you know in, in some businesses you know the guy that's the you know one of the major partners in the business shouldn't shouldn't be doing that, but I find that sometimes when I get my best ideas, you know, because when you're just doing that, you know, that mechanical structural stuff kind of, I don't want to say mindless work, um, but less, less uh, right brain stuff, you know, I can, yeah, yeah, I I just, it just, ideas come, come to me when I'm cutting labels. It's the same thing that happens when you're washing dishes and you're just sand centered. Don't have the TV on, you have a little music on, you're washing the dishes by hand and uh, you're present in that moment with that task all of a sudden you oh man if i did this this would make this better your mind begins to wander and that's where some of the most creative ideas come from yeah i I always have a if if i'm working on you know mock-ups or even getting labels ready for for a a client there's a couple local clients that we actually you know actually do their production labels if i'm doing that stuff i always have a notepad there because nine chance out of ten i'm going to come up with with something you know, standing there doing that, you know, somewhat, you know, mindless work. It's good stuff. Well, we're in the lightning round at the end here. I usually ask some off the cuff questions to see where you're coming from. But I wanted to say we had a lot of fun when I came into Reading um, back in November. Got a chance to meet your mother-in-law uh, and uh, dad. Dad was great. Uh, Mom is one of the few people I've ever met who can tell you how to, uh, stuff, you know, shoot a raccoon. And then stuff it. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Peggy. So you're, you're, yeah. You were talking about Peggy. We had so much fun just sitting around having a couple of beers. And, uh, you know, it just felt good to be back home uh, and hearing my accent repeated back to me because not everybody says Char out here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Your, your accent probably is more recognizable out in Las Vegas than it is here, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. And, if you, and, and those of you who live in Pennsylvania, you know, we grew up in uh, Lebanon, Lebanon, as we say it, Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And we're definitely known for Lebanon Bologna, and the Hershey is right up the road. Uh, definitely a, a town for beer. Uh, and, uh, good good food. Right. All of, that, all of that Pennsylvania Dutch stuff, the local Amish, all of that. Yeah, definitely love it. So let, let's dig in here to the lightning round. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Tell me off the cuff. What's your favorite album? The uh, Refreshments, Fizzy Buzzy, Big and Buzzy. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Uh, if you had a favorite food, what would that be? Hmm, favorite food. Is, is beer a food? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, we can call that. We'll go with beer. So that you can't ask the uh, drink question next because I'm saying the same you know, you know, I never would have guessed you're a beer fan. Never. <laughs> I think the last uh, selfie picture you said that it was just a beer. That was it. <laughs> That's well, actually, you had asked me some kind of a question, and I responded with a beer picture. I think it was. <laughs> that was the best. So, um, what do you love best about being you? Wow. That's, that's a tough one. I, I'm not one that actually really likes to talk about myself much, so to say I like something? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it, every day is something different, right? There's always something new. Well, I'll tell you what I love about you. Your sense of humor in life. You're not somebody who sits around and cracks jokes and goes, hey, I heard this joke. Here's somebody who lives it. 
Uh, and that's the most fun. I mean, I was laughing around you. We're going to be kidding. The look in your eyes sometimes, I can tell you think it's crazy thought. Well, here's, here's, here's the thing. There's a lot of things I don't say because probably yeah, most of it's inappropriate, you know? That's the key. And I'm the opposite. I say it's <laughs> Hey, I always, I always tell people, even like the worst situation, client meeting or a long road trip, just make memories, right? Constantly make memories. Even the, the worst scenario, if you can make a memory out of it, that's, that's all there is, you know? Now, there's one last piece I didn't discuss, and this is the part I, I love about you, giving back. Uh, you're a professor at the Pennsylvania School for Art and Design. Oh, uh, yeah, Pennsylvania College of Art and Design, yeah. And um, I don't know if I, I use the word professor, though, but adjunct instructor? Uh, Neil Pert's a professor, so how's that? Um, <laughs> I, have, I have students that call me Professor Newmaster, and I'm like, no, 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 you, no we, you, you can't do that. You're leading the next generation of package designers, and I love your approach to teaching uh, the college, which is uh, you take them on field trips. You, you take them to these places where they're actually uh, packaging the products, the, the, the potato chips, and I can see that's kind of your passion. Uh, am I correct? Yeah, I always, I always try and make it as, as real as possible. You know, they're not just I would, I would like to think that the projects my students do aren't typical school projects, right? Like pie-in-the-sky thinking. Um, I like to put parameters around it. I like to put them inside the box. Thinking outside the box to me is like, okay, that's, that's fun. But, you know, the bulk of what we do is thinking inside the box. So, you know, I try and make sure they, they get exposed to, like you mentioned, po potato chips. Um, I typically try and get them on a field trip so they can see how the potato chips are packaged and you think well, what's that to do with package design well i like them to see you know the end the end result of what you did is printed on that roll of film and then it's been you know packaged so i like right. them to get to get a sense that they're a part of something bigger you know a, 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 a bigger process it's not just turning that that file over and then printers just getting them exposed to what different printers can do because so many times it's focused on you know just purely that design part um and not enough attention is given to the uh, practical part of how those files are, how those files right. are set up, or how those files are actually used. Well, when I visited Tom and he was teaching, they were getting the students ready for uh, a cosmetic uh, competition. And Correct. They, they, were, they were shown a tube, and they had to figure out how to make that tube look, uh, and how to put a box around it or a package or what it was going to go uh, be used in. Where, and I just thought it was exciting that each of the students brought to bear uh, what they were really passionate about. Like one young man, he, he had like tattoos, you know, that was um, uh, sort of like your own tattoo in a bottle kind of kid. Another person, it was, you know, gloss or whatever. So I, I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, and that and that that competition, we've been doing that for about four or five years, and they basically just give us a uh, bottle, and then you have to develop the uh, the brand, what it looks like. Um, you have to uh, package, put put a label on that bottle or jar, and then design that that outer box. And you 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 came at just the right time. Um, they were about halfway through that project. You know, they had some real stuff to 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 show. So the fact that you could participate in that critique was you know super helpful. Um, and and it really helped. And actually, we, we had a, a student end up honorable mention this year again. Nice. Um, yeah, so that that's that's like three years in a row now we've had someone either place or 
be an honorable mention, which is which is a big deal when it's, I think it was like 30 some different colleges submitted entries. And I want to say it was a couple hundred entries. So for a little school, little design school in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, you know, to submit 10 entries and have one of them make it to the top four. I don't know. That sounds like a pretty big deal to me. That is, that is a big deal. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Tom Newmaster, look him up online. He's with Force Packaging. And uh, look for the hashtag table boat as well. <laughs> Always. Uh, Tom, uh, thank you, my friend. I really appreciate you coming on today. And also say hi to Missy, uh, the ever uh, powerful brand behind the brand. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> hey, thanks for, thanks for asking me to, to do this. It was a lot of fun. You bet, Tom. Thanks, man. Take care. All right, see ya. I want to thank you so much for being a big part of the Awaken Nation movement. This is how you can help me and our extraordinary guests. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let's grow this movement by word of mouth. Our success will be because of you. Thank you, and see you next week.